Beth and I'm a psychological wellbeing practitioner from Newcastle. I just wanted to say the biggest thank you to the contributors of the Clinical Psychologist Collective book. I've enjoyed reading this so much and loved having an insight into the range of backgrounds and experiences people have prior to applying for the doctorate and it's been really interesting seeing the potential barriers to the application as well and how I can try and work around this. I really started to doubt myself and whether I was good enough to apply for the clinical psychology doctorate but this has really given me the confidence boost that I needed to give it a shot so the biggest thank you ever. If you're looking to become a psychologist Then let this be your guide With this podcast at your side You'll be on your way to being qualified It's the Aspiring Psychologist Podcast With Dr. Marianne Trent Hi, welcome along to the Aspiring Psychologist podcast. If you are watching on YouTube, you will have noticed that I am actually talking to camera. This is just little of me, but I'm also on camera today. Um, so if you're not listening on YouTube, you could come along and see me talk through what we're going to be talking to about um, today, but there is no pressure. Um, so if you are in the UK at the moment, you will have noticed there's lots of stuff in the media still about grief and, um, you know, people talking about a grief hangover. Um, and that's something that people have been telling me about kind of personally and professionally, um, you know, the effect of the media and the kind of more dour presentation and the songs and the music and the the kind of reflective things that we've been subjected to really as part of living in the UK um, and you know that can feel tricky because what we know is that it doesn't always feel safe to be sad um, but for me um, you know, I very much try to live by my values um, and my values as a psychologist. And I think that, you know, being able to tap into all of our range of emotions, including sadness, which is key, is very important to me, both personally and professionally. Um, and so, you know, I'm always intrigued to know what your values are. Today, we're going to be doing a values exercise for me, based on me, um, using um, some acceptance and commitment therapy values cards. So why don't you, you know, see how you get on with this exercise? In fact, if you'd like to come on and do an aspiring psychologist set of values episode, let me know and I'll have you on as a guest. Um, let me know if you'd be up for that. So what we're going to do is we're firstly going to pick the goal I want to work on and then I'm going to identify my core values out of a big set of values. So let's get on with that. So picking from the life domains, can I show you that so that you can see it on camera? We've got family, parenting, intimate partner, friends and social life, work and career, health, education and learning, environment, community, spirituality, personal growth and leisure. And I am going to, because we're talking about psychology, I'm going to talk about work and career in this. 
So there's a massive, massive stack of values um, to work through. Um, and what I've done is I've picked a section of them, a selection of them, and then I've whittled down the ones that are most important to me. So in no particular order, we have cooperation. So to be cooperative and collaborative with others. We have contribution. To contribute, give, help, assist, share or be generous. Creativity. To be creative or innovative at work or at play. We have trust. To be trustworthy, loyal, faithful, sincere and reliable and or be trusting of others. We have friendliness, to be warm, friendly, open, accepting, agreeable and helpful towards others. We have industry, to be industrious, hardworking, committed, proactive or dedicated. We have honesty, to be honest, truthful and sincere with myself and others. Safety, to secure, protect or ensure my own safety or that of others. Compassion, to act kindly towards myself and or others when in pain. Courage, to be courageous or brave, to persist in the face of fear, uncertainty and threatening circumstances. Connection, to engage fully in whatever I'm doing, to give the activity or the person I'm with my full attention. And last but not least, curiosity, to be curious, open-minded and interested, eager to explore, discover and learn. And out of those, I picked some top ones. So I whittled it down to curiosity, connection, courage, compassion and friendliness. But that is too many. So, oh, and trust. Um, that's too many. So um, I'm going to go for compassion, connection, I'm going to go for four, technically we're only supposed to have three, curiosity and courage. And the rest of them I'm going to say thank you, you're very important to me. But my core values as a professional are those of curiosity, courage, connection and compassion. Now, already I'm thinking, oh, no, I'm missing. I miss those other bits. But I think these are, you know, my core values, I think. OK, so the next part of this activity is living your values. So when I'm living by these values of compassion, connection, courage and curiosity, how do I treat myself? How do I treat others? How do I treat my body? How do I treat my work and education? How do I treat my interests or hobbies? And how do I treat the world around me? Okay, so when I treat myself, um, I very much practice being compassionate these days. And that was something that I didn't really have along my journey to being an aspiring psychologist. And so um, very much in the upcoming aspiring psychologist book, 
Um, I encourage you and the other people within that book encourage you to be self-compassionate. And I think that is absolutely key. Um, and we have a foreword by Dr. Chris Irons in the book as well, who is, um, you know, one of the uh, very leading voices in in self-compassion and compassion-focused therapy right now. So so we're privileged to have him in the book. Um, I'm very grateful for him saying yes. Uh, and I guess that's one of my values as well is courage. You know, I asked him if he would do it and he said yes, you know. And I guess I have similar courage with my clients. So I have the courage to have difficult conversations. I have the curiosity to explore that in a way that doesn't feel intrusive, you know, a way that still feels respectful. Um, so we have that connection, you know. Um, I have this almost palpable, visceral sense of connection with my clients and with people I work with. And that's really, really important to me. Um, so I treat others with compassion. Um, I demonstrate my courage to myself and to them. And I'm curious about myself as well. I'm quite reflective generally. So um, I speak to you today whilst I've been to a funeral. Um, part of the grief continues. I'm hoping that's going to be it for us for now, for the next foreseeable. But, um, you know, I'm always curious about that. I'm curious to hear about others' lives and to learn about other people. Um, I am, um, I was just doing a live um, just before I started this podcast and um, I saw that my postman was back after a very long period of what I was assuming was sickness absence. But I actually went and stopped. Well, he he rang the doorbell, um, and my husband was out. Um, but um, I went to go and answer the door, and I I stopped the live and then came back to it. Um, I was curious about him because I have a connection with him, and I felt compassionate to him, and I'm you know courageous as well. Um, so I was like, oh, you know, how, how are you? How have you been? Um, and, you know, he tells me a story and I ended up singing him the song that my children had made up about him, um, about where he might be. It was basically his name, which I won't tell you because it's not, not appropriate for me to do that, um, you know, and ends in all the verses of different country names where he might be. Um, they're trying to make sense of where the postman had gone and he he very much enjoyed that and he said um he was gonna try and add a few more verses <laughs> before he next saw me of other countries that he could have been in but wasn't um so yeah i i just try to be curious with everybody really um and i'm curious at work um it's treating my interests or hobbies um I don't feel like I've got many at the moment. It's mainly writing books. <laughs> and that's kind of taking a lot of time. Um, but I'm going to the theatre um, tomorrow. Um, and I'm also going the next week, which is entirely accidental um, scheduling. Um, and, you know, I guess, am I going to be curious about that? I'm kind of curious because I'm going to be seeing something that I don't really remember wanting to see. And yet apparently I did agree to go and see it. And that's Mamma Mia. I'm not hugely looking forward to it. It's also my wedding anniversary that it's on. And so I didn't even know I was, I didn't remember where I was going because I would have thought originally 
<laughs> I said no to going out um, on my wedding anniversary day. So I'm curious about that. Um, how's that going to be? Um, I think sometimes, as my sister-in-law just said to me, um, if you've got low expectations, then you're easily pleased. Um, and I think that's going to be the case for this um, for this. Uh, this musical I'm going to. So that's living by my values. So how would I set goals in the next 24 hours, in the next week, in the next two weeks, month, year, and decade? Decade's a big one, isn't it? Um, so I would want to continue to be connected with others. So even though I do lots of passive stuff, I will always do one-to-one -one client work um, because it's really important to me um, to have that sense of connection and to be able to help demonstrate my skills in compassion, curiosity and courage. Um, so in the next decade, I would hope to still be seeing clients and in holding on to those values that will very much keep keep me grounded and keep me focused um, and I really liked that um, when I was working in the NHS some of the people in more senior management had still kept a very small caseload because I guess that sense of connection and sense of doing something an industry was really important to them to be doing their core profession and I absolutely think that I would have been the same as well so I probably would have been um if I if I progressed and progressed I'd have been the chief exec that still had you know a clinic and saw three clients a week because it's really important to me to do that um so yeah I think I'm very much I've got an idea of where my my work is going I perhaps would like to do some more training in compassion focused therapy um, and to continue with my supervisory relationships as well for connection um, and curiosity. Um, so I'm going to whip through these because um, we haven't got a super amount of time. Um, so I'm not going to do action planning, which is where we look at the actions we take to achieve the goals. Um, we're going to look at encouraging values and we're going to look at that after this short break, which I hope you enjoy. Enjoy the jingle, won't you? If you're looking to become a psychologist, then let this be your guide. Filled with lessons and experience that will help you get Clinical Psychologists Collective book is the book to read for aspiring psychologists. Like most aspiring psychologists, I've read all the books about becoming a clinical psychologist. While other books break down the entry criteria and speak of the course's competitiveness, the Clinical Psychologists Collective reveals the varied journeys and individual differences of those who've gotten onto and completed training. It inspired me to embrace my own journey and make the most of my experiences and identity. If you read one book about becoming a clinical psychologist, this is it. If you buy someone who aspires to be a clinical psychologist a book, this is it. This book will help freshen blossom 
into a more diverse group of mental health practitioners who use their backgrounds to enhance their ability to support those we serve. Welcome back to you. Uh, let's think um, some more about my personal values as a qualified clinical psychologist. And this might well be a really useful exercise that you could do. And like I said in the first half, if you might be interested in coming on as a guest on the podcast to explore your values um, as an aspiring psychologist and do let me know and let's see what we can sort out. So um, if you didn't catch the first half, my values I've identified are compassion, connection, courage and curiosity. Um, so those are the ones that I have picked out from a large selection of values. Um, so how will I encourage those values um, and who else would I like to encourage these values in? Well, I'd very much like to encourage the values of compassion and courage and curiosity within my children. Um, I think that's really important. You know, uh, I blubbed a river full of tears um, when I went to my uh, eldest child's first um, merit assembly, which I think was in reception year. So he would have been four um, and he was given his merit. And within the merit award, they mentioned his kindness, you know, a number of times. And then teachers came up to me afterwards to tell me what a kind little boy he was and how thoughtful he was to his um, to his peers in the class and to the staff as well and you know that just really moved me actually you know it's really really wonderful I really really think that kindness is the most wonderful thing but kindness isn't the same as letting people walk all over you you know it isn't it's just that you know how nice it is to be connected with other people and we can show people kindness without being a doormat absolutely um and he's certainly nobody's doormat now that he's nine um but he's still you know very much reported as being a really nice member of the class that gets along with people and is you know a pleasure to teach um let's see what they say about his little brother <laughs> <laughs> he's a little bit more of a handful. Um, but how can I model these values? Well, it's really tricky, actually, um, as a mummy. Um, you know, sometimes I, I try always to be compassionate, but I'm not always super patient, you know, and maybe that's something for me to reflect upon. You know, how can I increase my patience to my pre-grief levels? So, before 2017, I feel like I was more easygoing. 
I had more patience generally. But also the children are older now and are less compliant. You know, when I ask my eldest to go and brush his teeth now, I get one sec, one sec. And then I prompt again a couple of minutes later because we're trying to hustle out the door. And I still get one sec. And it's like, mummy can ask you kind of calmly and quite nicely about three times. But after that, I'm not going to be quite so calm you know so I absolutely used to be really into gentle parenting um but I just found it wasn't really I still would I guess get on board with the philosophies of gentle parenting but it's all very I found it very easy when I just had one child um and it got trickier when I had two children and as they both start to grow and want different things I just found it a bit trickier so on a great day, I'd still say I'm a gentle parent. Um, I would tend to hope to say that I was compassionate and connected most of the time. But when my youngest is trying to climb me whilst I'm trying to make breakfast, literally he climbs me like I'm like a, a tree and he's a monkey, um, shins up me and all sorts, you know, cute to begin with. But when you're trying to butter toast and stuff, it's a bit annoying, you know, <laughs> get down. You know, we'll do this later. It's nice that you want to climb me. It's nice that you love me. Nice. He's trying to climb up to kiss me as well. He's very cute. Very cute. Um, but yeah, I think I would I would like to think that um I don't want the children to think I'm not connected to them or not compassionate towards them. Um because <laughs> I've got other things to do and I'm not as patient as I used to be. Um, and I think maybe curiosity is something I could do with a bit more for the kids, you know. So they often all try and tell me things that I don't know about Roblox or about football. And it's not my specialist subject. It's not something I'm super, super interested in. Um, but that's certainly something I perhaps now I've identified my values. We'll try to gently increase you know try to broaden that dialogue a little bit more um how can I initiate or teach or instruct these values well I think I do that really well in my one-to-one -one work um absolutely modeling that compassion um and the connection and exploring the fact that it's safe you know to try courageous things in our sessions that you may not have done before and to be curious and see whether we can take that outside of the therapeutic space to try that. And I absolutely encourage these values in you as aspiring psychologists as well. Um, and that's absolutely the case within the um, aspiring psychologist membership um, and the clinical psychologist collective and the aspiring psychologist collective, which is coming out very soon. You'll be pleased to know we should be on track for the 3rd of October. So um, yeah, exciting times. Um, there is much to do still, lots of edit editing to be done. But hopefully by the time you are listening to this podcast episode, the majority of it will be finished. So, yes, I may be laying flat in a dark room exhausted. Um, but even then, I am you know, being courageous in putting this book out there, um, being curious what you guys will think to it, um, connected because this is stuff you want, you know, stuff that you're interested in. You've told me, um, you know, this is something you want to read. Um, so I'm listening to my audience and I'm being compassionate because it's absolutely very tricky to be 
um, the provider of mental health services in a mental health <laughs> emergency, which it feels like we're, we're currently in in the UK, um, as a result of many factors, but including the, um, the pandemic and the effects of that. Um, so, yeah, I try to make sure that I am initiating and teaching those well. How can I create situations or environments or relationships where these values thrive? So I guess, yeah, I, I can continue to offer sessions to new clients. Um, I can continue to offer supervision, um, coaching sessions and one-to-one therapy. Did I say that already? I think I did. Um, and I can continue to help my um, members in the membership to be really curious, to be really courageous, um, to connect with myself and with others and with the clients they're working for in a compassionate way. Um, How can we reward these values when you see them in others? Um, So absolutely, when I see um, people reaching out to their network and being connected, um, that's something really to celebrate. When I see they're doing things courageously, like being sad when they don't usually feel like it's safe to be sad. That takes real courage, um, but also compassion. We're absolutely checking into and tapping into um, sadness as being a really important part of human emotion and knowing that's, knowing that's safe for us to do. Okay, so the final one that we're going to do in this exercise is twisting values. And that's the idea that our minds can easily twist our values into rigid or unhelpful rules. So can we notice any of these classic twists? I should do this. I have to do that. I must do the other. This is the right thing to do. That is the wrong thing to do. If I don't do this, I'm bad. And if I manage to do that, I'm good. Remember, there are no good or bad, right or wrong, should or musts in a value. Um, And I think that's, yeah, for me, that probably comes up more with my parenting than it does with my professional life. Um, I'm also, I am compassionate. You know, I try to make sure that I am not over cramming my diary. There's only certain um, certain slots I have in my diary each week for one-to-one. And once they're full, they're full. And I've always worked that way since um, since being in my first qualified role as well, which was a choice and partnership approach, so a CAPA um, service. And so there was job plans. So everything was very predictable. And that really set me up well um, for being boundaried with my time and being compassionate to myself and being clear about what was coming and what was next. And so I really, really like that uh, way of working. And that's the way that I continue to do that. And I might well record a podcast episode on job planning and how I use that because I absolutely still do that now. Um, but I, you know, also, sometimes the compassionate thing to do is to say no to things. Um, so if you get invited to things and you don't want to do them, <laughs> um, case in point, you know, there must have been a good reason why I said yes to the musical. Um, maybe that's still to become clear. Um, you know, also, I went to see Les Miserables with my sister-in-law recently and we'd originally booked it in 20, it might have been, have been 2018 and it was supposed to be taking taking place in 2020. Um, and of course, it got cancelled and postponed and postponed and postponed. But I didn't even like the film when I watched it. Um, it's just that she really, really loved the musical and really wanted to see it and nobody else fancied it with her. So it was really expensive. Um, but 
because it was important to her and I didn't want her not to be able to see it um I agreed to go and we you know we had a lovely time and in the end we went for dinner as well beforehand we had a really nice evening so I'm really pleased we did that and it was I was pleasantly surprised I really enjoyed it it was really really great performance so sometimes we can so long as it's not harmful to us we can do things that we're not super thrilled with and it might lead to a great outcome for us too uh, and of course that's important with connection you know so I respect my sister-in-law I love her if you're listening which you're not because you're not a psychologist but maybe I'll make you listen to this one um, you know we can be connected and we can respect others um, you know and I can I can be courageous into going to things see things that I don't think I'm going to enjoy my father-in-law really loves Mamma Mia and so maybe part of my reason um, for <laughs> being courageous was to see him really enjoying himself um, so that might well be part of my reason for saying yes to something that I wasn't actually that thrilled for now I think about it um, so yeah I'm I guess with compassion being one of the values, there's less likely to be the shoulds and the have tos and the rights and the wrongs. And I'm bad if I don't and I'm should and I must. And I, you know, if I don't, then I'm an awful human. Um, but also with that natural flex, reflexivity and reflection that we get with curiosity, um, I try not to be too harsh on myself. And one of my friends has got about three or four full-time jobs and I'm always trying to encourage her to you know maybe to do a little less which is ironic for a lady who does as much as I do as well but how have you found that so there is more to the exercise um but yeah I'm conscious of the time um but how have you found that did any of my values map onto yours or are there some missing for you um why don't you jot down your thoughts and why don't you come on over to the Aspiring Psychologist community um, on Facebook, join us there um, and let's discuss this episode and what it might have evoked for you. Um, during um, the Declan Sci application season, the membership is open with no need to wait on the waiting list. So if you do want to join us, please do so. Um, it'd be a pleasure to have you there. We have got um, our mindfulness course, which is running in um, September, October and November. It's an, it's an eight week program. Um, and if you dive in now, um, you can absolutely come and watch the first one on replay. Then you can come along to all other seven sessions live. And it's just going to be so wonderful. People in the membership are really looking forward to it. And we can help make this your most compassionate mindful application season yet. Um, please do like and subscribe um, both on the YouTube channel and on your favourite podcast outlet of choice. Um, I am going to get myself a nice cup of tea. I don't often allow myself to drink green tea with lemon anymore. Clipper is my favourite um, because caffeine doesn't always love me but I'm feeling that after a day of sadness and reflection um, that what I'm going to do next is before going to get the children I'm going to make myself a nice cup of um, green tea with lemon in my favourite mug. I'm going to sit on the sofa and I'm going to mindfully enjoy that. Um, so you know sometimes we can take small moments of self-care 
self-care is not always face packs and manicures um just uh, rather than squeeze an extra you know 30 40 minutes into my day um like i've done with doing this podcast just to allow ourselves just a little bit of decompression time to tell ourselves that we really are very special. We're doing a good job. We deserve to be looked after. So how might there be some flex in your day um, to look after yourself? Um, Hope as ever this has been useful for you. You'd be very pleased to know that with the birth of the new book, The Aspiring Psychologist Collective, that there might well be another jingle in the pipeline, which is always very exciting. I haven't even heard it yet. Um, So yeah, very much looking forward to sharing that with you too. But until then, look forward to this one. Enjoy this one and I'll see you very soon. You can catch our next episode from 6am on Monday. Thank you so much for being part of my world. This is episode 42. And if you've been here all throughout, thank you so much. It means the absolute world. Take care, guys. Bye. If you're looking to become a psychologist, and let this be your guide With this podcast at your side You'll be on your way to being qualified It's the Aspiring Psychologist Podcast With Dr. Marianne Trent My name is Diakalola Amujo I am a recent psychology graduate from Ireland. I am also an aspiring clinical psychologist. Dr. Marion's book, The Clinical Psychologist Collective, has been so helpful to me on this journey to becoming a clinical psychologist. As I plan to continue postgraduate studies in the UK, I found it extremely useful that this book provided in-depth information on the UK DeClinSci application process. I enjoyed reading about the experiences of both qualified and trainee clinical psychologists. The various narratives were my favorite part of the book, as everyone's story was different and it provided amazing insights into the clinical psychology journey. I would definitely recommend this book to anyone interested in psychology and aspires to become a clinical psychologist.